Chapter 33 of The Tickencoat Treasure by William LeCue. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 33 We Decipher the Parchment. Our excitement over the discovery was unbounded. Old Mr. Stafford's announcement seemed hardly possible. His hand trembled as he held the paper whereon I had copied the precious document catalogued among the oblata rolls while I, bending over him, stood eager but speechless. See, he cried, the cipher is cunningly reversed in order to make it more complicated. The big threes written by the old Italian were drawn as a silent indication of the correct solution of this document. Besides, there is, before and after the entry of the date of the document, two threes, one at each end, meaning first the third letter, and secondly, each three letters reversed let's decipher it at once whatever it is i exclaimed hastily pulling up a chair to the table beside him and taking a sheet of blank paper and a pencil imagine for yourself the tension of my mind at that critical moment what might not be concealed behind that bewildering array of letters was the secret of the whereabouts of the treasure written there or was it after all only some unimportant record having no reference at all to the hidden loot the old man was staring at the document with a puzzled air, for it was apparently not so easy to decipher as he had believed. Dictate it to me, and I will write, I urged quickly, holding up my pencil ready. The suspense was irritating. We both of us were impatient to get at the truth. Slowly, and not without a good deal of difficulty, Stafforth reversed each three letters of the cipher, three by three, and then reading them by the aid of the alphabet I had compiled, gave down the beginning of the document to me as follows. On this twenty-first day of May, in ye four-and-thirtieth year of ye reign of our sovereign lady, Elizabeth, Queen of England, France, and Ireland, defender of ye faith, I, Bartholomew de Chorno, have made this secret record. Our excitement knew no bounds. It was, after all, a secret record, and without doubt it referred to the treasure. It is always interesting to work to decipher an old document, but more especially so one that no man has been able to read for ages. Imagine yourself for a moment in my place, with a fortune attached to the revelation of that secret. Old Mr. Stafford's voice trembled, as did his thin white hands. As a paleographist, he had at times made some remarkable discoveries while delving in the dusty parchment records of bygone ages. But surely, none had ever affected him like this. We were learning the place where a fortune lay hidden. For close on two hours, we worked together incessantly, slowly obtaining the right equivalents of the cipher, but very often making errors in calculation with the puzzling threes. The writing was simple, after all, but at the same time difficult to decipher, requiring great care and patience. At length, however, I sat with the whole of the secret revealed before me, written down in plain English, surely one of the most interesting documents among the thousands preserved in the National Archives. The record, which we read and reread a dozen times with breathless interest, was as follows. On this twenty-first day of May, in ye four-and-thirtieth year of ye reign of our sovereign lady Elizabeth, Queen of England, France, and Ireland, defender of ye faith, 
I, Bartholomew de Chorno, have made this secret record. To eight of ye men who fought with me on ye great unicorn against ye Spanish galleon, and who made covenant, was ye place of ye loot known. In all those men did I place my trust. One Robert Dafty hath broken his oath, and hath revealed ye secret, for he hath told before his death unto his wife ye place unto which we wall ye gold. Therefore it hath become necessary in time to remove ye treasure, which we captured from ye Spanish and from ye barbarians of Algiers, unto a place of safety from thieves, from conspirators, and from ye enemies of our queen. Therefore, be it known unto ye person who may read this my record, that on this day above written the whole of what I possess has been removed from ye priest's soul in ye manner of Caldecott, and concealed in a place more fitting and secure. The knowledge of it now remains only with my trusted friends Clement Wallerton and John Freeman, the two signatories to ye present document. Be it known also that ye secret covenant, placed in ye hand of Richard Nutton, is now made by me null and void, although my testamentary disposition of ye gold jewels and all other articles which I, Bartholomew de Chorno, noble of Ferraro, commendatory of the order of San Stefano, have treasured, shall remain as I have before written. That is to say that should ye knights of St. Stephen not require funds, ye gold is to become ye sole and absolute property of ye youngest child of ye family of clement wallerton of stibbington in ye county of huntingdon but without any part or portion to go to ye family of richard nutton ye last mentioned having wickedly and maliciously conspired with ye wife of ye said robert dafty to steal and take possession of ye treasure during our absence on ye seas and, therefore, be it known unto ye person who gains ye secret of these cipher, that I with mine own hands have written this my record for two purposes. In ye first place, to make it plain unto all men that it is my ardent desire to assist ye works of ye release of Christians in slavery and barbary, and secondly, to reveal unto ye one who deciphers my record, ye place where ye gold will be found." Let him read and mark well. Four miles from Stanford Town on ye great road into Scotland, and to ye left hand is Tickencoatland. Within this wood have we buried ye treasure three arms length deep, and to recover it ye directions which herewith I give must be followed closely. Enter ye wood by ye path leading through ye fields at ye fourth milestone from Stanford Town, and pass ye line of six oaks, always facing Empingham Church, until ye three sisters are found. Midway between ye three, at twenty and nine foot paces from ye south, have we planted an oak sapling, and beneath it will be found hidden ye gold of ye Spaniards and ye jewels of ye corsairs. Here followed the roughly executed plan, which consisted of three triangles at unequal distance from each other, and a crude sketch of the tree beneath which the gold was hidden. Across the sketch was an arrow, presumably showing the direction of the sunrise, and a second one with the word Eppingham written at its barb. Let he who findeth this my wealth carry out my written will, 
taking unto himself one of the chests of money as his recompense but should he not give up ye remainder in full unto ye last descendant of ye wallertons of stibbington my curse shall forever rest upon him that what is herein written is true we who alone know ye secret of ye said treasure and have taken our oaths to keep it until the gold should be wanted by ye knights of st stephen have hereunto set our hands and seal on ye day and year first above written clement wallerton john freeman bartholomew de Chorno. the spot to which the treasure had been secretly removed from that upstairs chamber in caldecott manor was now actually revealed to us but we entertained a horrible suspicion that bennett and his friends were equally in the possession of the secret the suggestion that the document sold by the dead man nutton contained a key to the cipher was of course now dismissed but we were nevertheless filled with fear that the quartet might by some means or other have solved the problem just as we had done philip riley although he had returned to his desk at the bank had spent his spare time down at hammersmith and had watched the movements of the four men he had once or twice told me that he believed some fresh move was being made and he had also discovered that the fourth man he who had charge of dorothy on that fatal night at kilburn a short dark-bearded thick-set fellow known as martin was in reality a low-class solicitor named martin franklin who rented a small back office in the minories and appeared to have very few clients stafford agreed with me that we should lose no time in obeying the directions given in the document before us therefore i drove into the city before the banks closed and showed philip the secret revealed on reading it he became highly excited as may be imagined and having obtained two days leave of absence from his manager we went out and bought several useful implements including a saw three shovels pickaxes and the like then having sent them to king's cross cloakroom to await us we drove home to chelsea where we informed usher the good news and found him ready and anxious to render us assistance afterwards i went on to dorothy and showed her the solution of the cipher she seemed however apprehensive of some evil befalling me that night having purchased an ordnance map in fleet street the three of us left london travelling to the quiet old-world town of stamford and putting up at that old-fashioned hostelry the stamford hotel perhaps you my reader know the quaint sleepy old lincolnshire town with its gothic architecture its elizabethan houses its many church spires and its noisy cobbles thirty years ago before the railways came it was a commercial centre and a busy prosperous place but nowadays its streets are deserted its fine old churches seem to be tumbling to decay and only on market days does the typically english town awaken from its lethargy very picturesque is its situation lying behind the broad fertile meadows of the welland with burghley house that magnificent place immortalized by tennyson in its immediate vicinity it was not however to enjoy the pleasant peace of stamford town that we had come there we did not arrive until nearly ten o'clock at night and were of course compelled to leave our implements at the railway station to take them to the hotel might arouse suspicion therefore we ate our supper in the coffee-room cold roast beef and ale 
retired soon after and arose early next day after a night of sleepless impatience in the privacy of riley's room we decided upon a plan of action with usher i was to hire a trap and drive to tickencote village which we learnt was three miles away past casterton on the great north road and then dismiss the conveyance while riley was to go to the station obtain the tools and follow us in a separate trap hired from the george at tickencote village we were to meet and go on together to the place indicated in the old italian's record immediately after breakfast we parted company and riley went out after which we ordered a dog-cart and drove along the straight broad highway with its quantity of telegraph lines at the side the great road which runs from london to york the autumn morning was fresh even a trifle chilly but the season was a late one and the leaves had not yet fallen although the frosts had already turned them to their bright red and golden tints beyond great casterton church we crossed a bridge at the end of the village and a square tower among the trees in the distance was pointed out by our driver as tickencote church arrived at the village which was just off the high road we entered the inn over a glass of ale we learnt several things we wished to know namely that there was a tickencote park and tickencote lawn the park commenced at the junction of the high road with a short road leading up to the village while the lawn lay back from the road behind some fields nearly a mile farther on i learnt this by chatting with the landlady about fox hunting there were always foxes in tickencote lawn she informed me and hounds were sure to have sport whenever they drew it well there it suddenly occurred to me that if philip arrived with a collection of tools our visit would at once arouse the curiosity of the villagers therefore i whispered to usher and we left the place eventually meeting our friend on the high road a quarter of a mile away he handed out the tools from the trap then jumping down told the man to return for him at four to tickencote village in order not to attract any attention we walked on leaving riley to carry the picks and shovels at a short distance behind even there we were not safe for we knew not whether our enemies had secretly watched our departure from london dorothy was always impressing upon me her suspicion that the men kept continual observation on me while Usher knew Bennett well enough to be certain that he would not give up the chance of a fortune without some desperate effort. Nevertheless, keeping a watchful eye everywhere, we walked along the wide, muddy high road, impatient to arrive at our goal, and eager to dig at the spot indicated by the roughly drawn plan upon that faded parchment. End of chapter 33